Ian, I know we had Gen Con about two weeks ago, but I have got an idea this time. I'm going to emulate my hero. I'm going to go to the Origins Game Fair. Actually, no, I'm not going to go to the Origins Game Fair. I need to be here. Okay, I'm going to run what would be the circumference of the Origins Game Fair halls okay. and lose about, uh, let's say, £32. How does that sound? Uh, well, who, who's your hero, sorry? Who are you trying to emulate here? someone very near and dear to my heart well me i mean that's flattering and everything but i, yeah. I mean i don't i don't remember running anywhere and losing a lot of weight it, it keep, sure sure Ian, you keep you keep thinking that i mean we can i mean you can always run around the brainwave studios you know with it's non-euclidean nature means that it's quite easy to you know run quite far without having to leave the premises. Where else was I going to run? On a sports track? I can't go on a sports track. I'm allergic to the sand from the long jump. That is problematic for you, indeed. Anyway, while you're thinking about your great plan, should we get in the studio and and do the news? Ian, we're already in the studio doing the news. (gasps) I'm Jamie Adams. And I'm Ian McAllister. This is Brain Moves episode 83, bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of 4th of October 2021. Paizo allegations surface after staff firing. Asmodee asks for more dollars. And Board Game Arena wants you all to themselves. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. On September the 13th, customer service and community manager Sarah Marie was fired for undisclosed reasons after 12 years working for Paizo Publishing, the company behind the Pathfinder RPG, amongst other games. Diego Valdez, someone who worked under Sarah, confirmed this on Twitter the following day, saying the department had been working through some, and I quote, especially difficult and problematic stuff. Valdez has since left the company, saying, that she was fired along with the cowardly nature in which it was carried out and the misery my department has been put through had me especially frustrated and furious. I need for the people I work for to have some amount of managerial competence and integrity. Yesterday and the preceding three weeks made clear that the two managers involved have none of either. I made clear that they are not worth working for and I will not work for them. On the same day, Jessica Price posted about the firings. Jessica herself worked for Paizo between 2012 and 2017, and her thread went on to list some of the issues she had experienced at the company, including accusations of sexual harassment and bigotry, and also detailed a bizarre instance where she discovered one of the office spaces hadn't been hoovered in seven years, which was causing breathing problems for the staff. She details a list of attempts to get the space cleaned, including bringing in her own equipment, after no help was forthcoming from the higher-ups. Several former employees joined in on these threads, confirming and adding to the list of accusations. Paizo responded to allegations not once, but twice. The first one is on a September the 15th post on the Pathfinder forums by Jeff Alvarez, the president of Paizo. Paizo. I will now read from that message. The recent departure of two long-time Paizo employees has generated a great deal of public discussion, including a series of accusations critical of the company's management that range back several years. While Paizo cannot discuss personnel issues in public, we wish to strongly reaffirm the company's commitment to the ideals of inclusiveness and diversity in gaming, both within our company and the products we create. From the day the company opened back in 2002 all the way to the present, POC and LGBTQIA contributors and staff have been a critical part of our creative and business operations, and our company has been at the forefront of these issues in the work we publish and the values we espouse. We are committed to these values and work to do better every day. 
backed up by tremendous staff at all levels of the company, all of whom share the values of inclusivity, diversity and improvement. We are also working actively to listen to those employees and take additional steps to ensure that they feel their voices are being heard. By doing so, we believe we've become better now than we were five years ago and that we will be better five years from now than we are today. This post was followed up by another one on Monday, September the 20th, which is a little too long to cover in full on the cast. It's quite extensive. It lists a series of actions the company is taking, will take, and have taken to address some of the issues that Jessica highlights, including the changing of cleaning companies in 2017. Paizo has not released any further statements since this last one, but promises to update the community as it works to write itself. It seems that 2020 and actually I was about to say to a lesser extent, but not to a lesser extent, to extent a lot of 2021 has become something of a period of introspection for a lot of facets of the tabletop gaming industry. And by introspection, I mean people are now coming forth and talking about this. Now, not to say people haven't done it before, but this is the time for consequences and things being done about it. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully these... Paiso are actually going to stick to their guns. They're actually going to change the culture there. They're actually going to do something about that. We'll, of course, bring you updates if and when we hear more. But, Jamie, big money in board games. Who knew? Money in board games? Don't make me laugh. Oh, wait. Stephen Bonacore, former CEO of Stronghold Games and affectionately called The Podfather by many amongst the tabletop gaming community, broke some news on Twitter on the 23rd of September. The venture capitalist fund that currently owns Asmodee are looking to sell the company using Goldman Sachs to make the sale. Now, I misread this at first and thought Goldman Sachs were looking to buy them. That's good, otherwise I'd be booing from the rafters. You could hear me as far as, I don't know, Norway possibly. Oh, that's my brother. Oh, there we go. The price for this? Apparently, a cool $2 billion is being sought. Just a little note here. This is their supposed value. We don't know the precise value, obviously, because a sale has not been made yet. Now, when Asmodee was bought back in 2018 from the previous venture capitalist fund, Eurasio, I hope I'm pronouncing that all right, they were only valued at $1.2 billion. Only. Uh, But that is an astounding increase in such a short period of time, especially considering the state we find the world in. Although, over the lockdown, there was a market increase in tabletop games being sold. Yeah, indeed. I mean, if you're going to sell a board game company at sort of the height of its, or possibly at the height of its powers, then I guess now is probably the time to do it with the massive increase in board gaming. I mean, at the moment, this means very little. As Jamie says, it is $2 billion is the amount being sought by the current venture capitalist fund that owns Asmodee. It is not going to be the final sales price. And... I do wonder though if they if they don't manage to get a buyer for it at that price or at a price they find acceptable, will they start to look at breaking Asmodee up? That's a possibility, I guess. We'll see what happens. Also, I'd like to apologize to listeners. I've got a stinking cold right now, so this is why I sound incredibly bunged up. <laughs> I just I was I was just listening to the way I was talking in that story, and I noticed how just nasal I sound. Not at all. Sounds lovely. I disagree. And you know who else can disagree, Ian? Board Game Arena. Oh, indeed. Ah, you're going to have to keep all this in, Ian. You're going to have to keep all that in, otherwise it won't make sense. 
monster just a couple of days ago or we are recording on the 1st of october an article on board game geek was brought to our attention it seems that users had been experiencing an odd phenomenon on board game arena the virtual board game tabletop that was bought by asmodee last year users found that when they mentioned other virtual sites like tabletopia tabletop simulator yukata.de places like that the all that host virtual versions of board games they would get a warning that read Thusly, warning. warning, this service has been disapproved by games designers slash publishers and is illegal. We strongly discommend you to use it or to promote it on BGA. Thanks. <laughs> the, the, the little like happy thanks there is implied, is it? <laughs> it, it, it? I mean, it's an exclamation mark, so. Yeah. This caused much confusion amongst the community as lots of the sites that seemed to be falling foul of this pop-up were very much legitimate with the games on those platforms being there at the behest of the publishers. Board Game Arena came under fire from many quarters including designers who had their games not only hosted on Board Game Arena but other sites as well. The company were quick to respond on their forums. They explained that there had been a programming error in the latest update to the site where legitimate sites had been lumped with less legitimate sites. They had these parts of programming in place to prevent as much spam, in these cases people advertising other sites repeatedly on their network, as possible. The explanation does apologise to the apparent accusations against other sites. And it is worth us mentioning that we have previously had Ian Paravel from Board Game Arena on the cast. We did reach out to him for comment on the matter and he just pointed us at the forum uh, answers. We will link to those forum answers. There's a bit of a longer explanation as to the exact programming problems that happened in that i mean there's been a lot of like sound and fury about this on twitter and various other places uh, a few design a few prominent designers weighed in saying what are you talking about my games are on tabletopia or yukata legitimately and certainly tabletopia is a site specifically about legitimate versions of board games and the cut the, the publishers get a cut from tabletopia it works a slightly different model tabletop simulator is a little less <laughs> Kosher. Legitimate, That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Kosher's the word I'm looking for. Kosher. But yeah, I, to, I mean, to me, it seems like a genuine mistake was made here. Uh, they have since corrected it, I believe. I think one of the reasons there has been so much consternation about this is that, of course, Asmodee recently bought Board Game Arena and as a, now a subsidiary of a massive global corporation, basically insulting your rivals is not a great look and looks like the kind of thing like a massive global corporation might do and then hold their hands up and go oops sorry about but i genuinely think that it was a an actual mistake 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 or not it happened it was silly let's hope it gets fixed otherwise board game arena is not going to look too rosy and we'll have to go to other things and they should absolutely publicly apologize. Like, there's been an apology in their forums, but there's no, like, there's not a post on the front page of Wargame Marina or on their Twitter feed. I checked that just before we came on the cast. So they should definitely publicly apologize for it, because yeah, that's the thing to do in this situation. Anyway, enough about bickering companies. Let's get on with the news. Anyway, Jamie, you've got an update from us for a, from last cast. Last episode of Brainwaves, we detailed the efforts of Jeff Bergen and his company, The Gaming Goat, to offend a lot of people with their latest Kickstarter campaign. In a continuation of the consequence culture that Bergen has been experiencing, Gamma has banned Bergen and The Gaming Goat from Origins Game Fair. 
In a statement on their website, Gamma said, We do not tolerate harassment of convention participants in any form. Convention participants reported or caught violating this policy may be expelled without refund at the discretion of show management. Harassment is any unwanted contact which includes, but is not limited to, physical or verbal threats, unwelcome attention, stalking, unwanted photography or recording, offensive behaviour, use of physical force, behaviour that creates a disturbance or is dangerous, using sexually explicit or offensive language or conduct, excessive profanity, obscene gestures, use of racial, religious, sexual, political, gender ability, ethnic slurs, or any other targeted comments which are intended to cause personal offence to another Origins participant, either in person at the event or through social media channels. Based on numerous instances brought to the attention of the Gamma organisation, including on the Gamma member Facebook page, the board has determined that the actions of both Jeff Bergen and TGG Games is in violation of this code of conduct, and they have been expelled from the show as an exhibitor. I'm, I'm looking for my tiny violin. We'll keep you updated if there's any news. You have another update, Ian, because the global shipping crisis, funnily enough, hasn't gone away. It's funny when global things take a very long time to resolve, isn't it? Anyway, there have been a few more consequences of the global shipping crisis. Asmodee has continued to raise its prices, this time affecting Marvel Champions LCG, my own personal favourite Arkham Horror LCG, boo, that's going to get more expensive, and the Star Wars Miniatures game. We will link to a full list of the raised prices. I believe that's happening towards the end of October, so you might have a little bit of time to get some things a bit cheaper before that happens. There has also been a very good time uh, piece in time on the matter, uh, detailing all the sorts of problems that are affecting a variety of publishers of different sizes. Dust Studios is mentioned in that piece, and in that piece they say they are basically on the brink of collapse. That has unfortunately now happened. Dust Studios is no more. They shuttered just the other day. Uh, we do hope that everyone involved at Dust Studios uh, finds a new job quickly and is okay. Anyway, Jamie, that's enough of updates. You've got some awards to announce. Time to put on my awards, Homburg, and announce the Tabletop Gaming Magazine Awards. Tabletop Gaming Magazine one of the UK's few board game print magazines, had its awards recently. The awards are determined by a public vote from a list of finalists in a variety of categories, from the usual best game, best indie, best card game, to unusual ones such as most novel component. Not the game itself, just something that's not the game that is in with the game. Or best way to die in an RPG. Uh, If you're curious... The most novel component was won by The Canvas uh, from Canvas Road to Infamy, the layered paintings of the game. Uh, And Best Way to Die in an RPG was won by Alien RPG Colonial Marines, because Colonial Marines. Again, not as I initially read it, Alien Colonial Marines RPG. I don't think anyone wants to uh, replay Aliens Colonial Marines. Anyway... One of Ian's favourite companies, Theme Board Games, won Best Indie with their game Escape the Dark Sector. I believe you haven't made your mind up on that, because I know you really enjoyed Escape the Dark Castle. I've got it. I've only played it once, so I have not played it enough to form a critical opinion as yet. Fair enough. Now, one that you have played a lot of, I know, because you've got a very successful guide, is Arkham Horror Living Card Game, which won Best Card Game. Is that allowed? Yeah, it's a card game. They say it's allowed. It's their award. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue with the award 
gods, otherwise known as the deciding committee. Anyway, the winner of best board game as voted by you, the public. Well, Oath from later games. One Ian, again, still hasn't made his mind up on. Two games down now. Still don't know what to think. <laughs> yeah, I'm very similar. I think I've played about two or three games. I'm like, I have, I don't know what to think about this. But it is such a grand scope game. Anyway, this is not about Oath. This is about the Tabletop Gaming Magazine Awards. Well done to all the winners. Congratulations to all the finalists. More awards. This is good. But now, moving from some award celebration to an awards mystery. Picture an award going on a journey beyond sight and sound. It's left Canada. It's entered the Twilight Zone. We talked last time about the wonderful Diana Jones Award, possibly my favourite award in tabletop gaming, and one of my favourites actually of all time, uh, behind the Diagram Prize for Oddest Book Title. Now, do you know what? I was I had written something here, but I'm actually just going to read from the statement that the Diana Jones Award company, committee, committee even, put out. Just a week ago, before the 2021 ceremony, the Diana Jones Award Committee learned that the unique trophy that gives this award its name had been lost in the mail. The creator of the 2019 winner, Alex Roberts, had chipped it off to one of the 2020 honorees, Maurice Broadus, the previous September, but it apparently never arrived in Indianapolis from Canada. Due to the amount of time that has passed, no tracking number could be found for the package. It is unlikely that it will ever be recovered. Perhaps it now sits in a box inside a warehouse somewhere, as forgotten and unappreciated as the Ark of the Covenant at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. If anyone discovers the trophy, please contact the Diana Jones Award Committee immediately. We would be grateful for its return. Meanwhile, as hard as the original trophy might be to replace, the committee is exploring ideas for a new one. That's... I mean, that's a tragedy. Of course... The reference to Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, holds more weight, uh, if you don't know, that the Diana Jones Award itself uh, was, is, still out there, a perspex pyramid housing the last physical fragment of the critically panned TSR, that's the original TSR, Indiana Jones RPG. This did so badly back in the day all the copies were recalled and pulped apart from the front of this one that had just Diana Jones on it, encased in a pyramid and given to greatness in tabletop gaming. I really hope this award will be found. It's a pretty cool award. I have seen it in person. Oh, yes. have you? Ooh. Yeah. Oh, of course, you went to Gen Con once, didn't you? Twice. Twice. Pfft. Check out this bourgeois. <clears throat> I'm joking. I'm joking. Petty bourgeois. Uh, Ian. Yes. There's speaking of Gen Con. Wasn't that originally set up to honor Dungeons and Dragons and Gary Gygax? You know, some say that. Some say that. Some again, originally. As we all know, Dungeons and Dragons has been around for a rather long time and is currently enjoying its best years in terms of sales and the community size. Well, it seems that for the game's 50th anniversary in 2024, Wizards of the Coast are planning a new edition. At D&D Celebration, Ray Winnegar, the current game design lead for Dungeons & Dragons, said that the new core books will be out in 2024 and they are going to be fully compatible with 5th edition products. 
Fifth edition itself, which is the cu- the current version of Dungeons Dragons, turns ten years old in twenty twenty four. Now, edition wars have always been a part and parcel of the D and D community and culture around Dungeons and Dragons, I guess. But I can see them not actually changing that much with a new edition. They're they're enjoying a huge swell of support from D and D. It's enjoying massive sales. They're on loads of actual play channels. You've you've now got Critical Role as well, who were originally a D and D actual play podcast, but now have got like animated series in the works and films and all sorts spinning off from that and if you suddenly change a lot about the game and suddenly make people's products basically not work i think there might be quite a backlash from that not an addition war style backlash just a end user has their stuff taken away from them basically backlash and i think that could be bad so i think i think it's going to be very minor changes maybe a sort of a 5.5 kind of thing a bit of polishing and especially with the lead designer saying that it's going to be compatible with 5th edition products, lends credence to that theory, I think. Any thoughts, Jamie? Not really, as you said. It's a new edition of Dungeons & Dragons. Fine, that that's happened. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't... I don't really want to... I don't, I, don't, I don't... Here's the thing, like, half the time I will engage in baseless speculation, and other times I'm like, I cannot be bothered. Just And I say that, not that I don't care... Although I did say I cannot be bothered. It's just, we'll see what happens. I mean, no one's ever going to be pleased, no matter what happens. Yeah. You know, people go, why don't you just keep keep it the way it was? Well, things need to change, you know. Fifth Ed, when it launched in 2014, you know, was was one thing. And then look at the role-playing games that have come since. And maybe it might take some ideas from some of them. And it might morph into a similar but different, which is what Dungeons & Dragons has done for nearly 50 years and what all role-playing games do uh, and and as we all know fourth edition was the best edition ian ian i'm not gonna get suckered into this gatekeeping edition wars nonsense if you like an edition good for you yeah even if there is a new edition of D, remember it does not take away your edition of D. you're gonna keep playing it anyway jamie what's happening in the world of virtual games uh if it's pokemon go Wait a minute, wait a minute. Virtual games. Like video games? I mean, this is a bit of an odd one. You remember Pokemon Go? It swept the world about five years ago. Had more people glued to their phones than the adhesive phone case prank. It's still going strong. And making Nintendo and Niantic, the company that developed it, buckets of money. But Niantic aren't just making Pokemon Go. They're making other games as well. They released a Harry Potter one that I don't think did very well. And they also made another game called Catan World Explorers that we actually talked about back in t- November 2019 on episode 39 of Brainwaves. Ah, ah, those Halshin days. I mean, basically, the game was going to be interactive, AR, Catan. Some places gather more of one type of resource than the other. and I don't know. Anyway, I don't need to waste my breath telling you about it. Because Niantic have shut it down. We got a little too complicated and a little too far from the original Catan game, said the developers. After a year of early access, they've already pulled the game from online stores and the real money in-app purchases. So mid-November is when it's being shut down for good. Oh, oh well. well. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I'm afraid I didn't play it. I've only played Catan once and I thought it was fine. Now, maybe I should have played it because, you know, it's my yeah. duty to you 
the listening public. Unfortunately, yeah. I didn't. But, oh well. It's difficult. You know, it's difficult. Pokemon Go was lightning in a bottle. It's going to take a while before the next one comes along. Indeed. Got good news, Ian? I do have some good news. What's that, what's that I hear coming down the tracks? Well, it's a very, very pink train. The words limited edition don't carry the weight they once did, especially with the secondary trading market that is rife in the board game world. But this is a limited edition release for a very good cause. From Days of Wonder and Asmodee come a station and train set for modern classic route maker and train placer Ticket to Ride. This is a bright pink set of the components for the game, where a portion of the money is going to Breast Cancer Research Foundation. The set costs $4.95, and $2 of that is going to go to charity. Uh, we don't, at the moment, know what the UK cost and donation slice is, but yeah, it's for a good cause, so nice thing for them to do. However, what's not so great is companies doing terrible things when they're trying to promote women in games, and thanks very much for The Guardian UK for this late-breaking story. FIDE, the International Chess Federation, has designated 2022 the Year of Women in Chess. There are currently only 39 female grandmasters out of 1,300 overall, and in recent years the game has been trying to attract more female players and has been helped along by the success of the show The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Of course an organisation like FIDE needs sponsors to help it out with funding such initiatives. For the Year of Women, they have gone with an unusual and controversial choice. That company is called Mativa, and their sole purpose is breast enlargement. This has obviously garnered some attention from the female player base. One anonymous player on site, Light Chess, said, Shouldn't chess, a game reliant on brains rather than breasts, be distancing itself from that kind of reductive and misogynistic line of thinking? Now, chess has long had a problem with sexism, and you'll be unsurprised to learn that this development has seen several trolls commenting on which female players would best benefit from the company. Fide has responded by saying that this is the largest corporate sponsorship ever signed specifically for women in chess, that the contract has been discussed by both the management board and Fide Council, and I quote, two bodies where women have a wider representation than they do in the chess community as a whole. Now, that little quote there is kind of telling to me. It doesn't really go into specifics. Are we talking percentages? Are we talking actual numbers? It's hard to tell. But I mean, words absolutely fail me on this one. I get that it might be hard for you to get sponsorship for this part of the ho- part of your hobby, but surely you would should have realised that this matchup with a breast enlargement company and the year of women in chess was a complete self-own and a terrible disaster waiting to happen. Presumably they're too deep into it now to back out as well. It sounds like it's happening because Fide have not apologised in any way or form as far as I can see, though the story is just breaking at the moment. We'll bring you updates on this as it comes, but yeah, it's just, yeah, wow. Good job, Chess. This is also your friendly reminder that uh, the bad sponsorship deals are rife. If you want to look at oh, some, yeah, to- true. some token examples, this is not, you know, this is just a, just a little info sidebar as it were. You look at something like the Olympic Games or the World or FIFA World Cup. Who are they sponsored by? Companies like Hein like Budweiser and McDonald's. I mean, yeah, there's some irony there and yeah, that's not great, but this one in particular is just Oh no What? This is this is not commenting on that. This is going 
this is not a, a new thing for for bad sponsorship deals. This sure, one, sure. Th- this one, this one has very particular overtones. Yes. Anyway, we are very happy for our sponsors, all our lovely patrons. Thank you very much for continuing to support the cast, especially Sean Newman of the Game Lot team, our executive producer. We'll link to all of Sean's bits and pieces in our show notes. And you can find a bunch of ways to support us on the site, including buying merch from Sir Meeple, who make very, very nice t-shirts. You can now get our lovely logo, uh, both the Giant Brain logo and Brainwaves logo emblazoned on a t-shirt, should you wish to support the cast. Uh, We get a nice, healthy cut of the profits on that. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. And we're also announcing our next on stage. We did one of these earlier in the year where I interviewed James Hewitt, who is a games designer with an illustrious career behind him working for Games Workshop. Uh, we interviewed James and we held a Q&A afterwards in our Discord using the stage channel feature. Basically what happens is you can come along and listen to whoever I'm interviewing and at the end of the show you can basically come up on stage and ask questions and get those answered. Uh, by our guest our next guest is going to be christopher john eggett current editor of tabletop gaming magazine that'll be happening on the 12th of october at 8 p.m we'll obviously put a link to our discord in the show notes you're very welcome to come along but it'll also be a public stage channel when the discord goes live for this event which means that if you're just a discord user you'll be able to come and just watch that part of it without having to join our discord if you'd prefer not to but we'll be saying more about that closer to the time and we'll be advertising it on all our socials as well. We hope to see you there. The last one was a lot of fun and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, Jamie, a little bit of Monopoly news before we leave. Well, it wouldn't be Brainwaves without Monopoly. We've covered before about Fortnite in Monopoly, but what if I told you there may be plans afoot for Monopoly and Fortnite. No, no, no. No, we've already done that. Uh, a Fortnite data miner has unearthed a possible collaboration with the Elizabeth Maggie created, Charles Darrow stolen, Parker Brothers profited, Hasbro currently owned board game classic. After the most recent event in Chapter 2 Season 8 of Fortnite Battle Royale, Operation Skyfire had a host of changes to the game and a load of new gubbins. Now, these hidden gubbins are modelled after the iconic playing pieces and the new updated pieces, which are a T-Rex, Penguin, and a Rubber Ducky. Now, obviously, these are buried deep within game data, and there has been no official statement from Epic Games. So maybe let uh, speculation run rife. Meh. Maybe they might do. Maybe they might do a, a skin of um, Monopoly Man. It kind of depends on where you are, what he's called. I've heard him called Rich Uncle Pennybags. Uh, just the monopoly I've, guy. I've, 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 I've heard Mister Moneybags before now. Yeah. yeah, maybe rich. Maybe on rich Uncle Pennybags is maybe the American thing or Monopoly Junior. I don't know. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out, as ever, is to just share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're mostly active on Twitter these days. You can find our website at giantbrain.co.uk where all our articles and the podcasts reside. You can email us about anything in the show or, or any questions you have or if you've got any bits of news that you'd like to share with us at giantbrainuk at gmail.com and there'll be an invite to our Discord in our links as well. You're very welcome to come along there where every Tuesday after the cast goes out we have a games night and you'd be most welcome to come along and play some games with us. We hope to see you there. For now, bye-bye. 
Bye.